Turn, if you would, in the back of the uh, hymnal to Lord's Day 21, question and answer 55, as we continue to go through the Heidelberg Catechism. In this second section of the Catechism, uh, dealing with deliverance from sin and misery through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is spoken about extensively in the words of the Apostles' Creed, which phrases we have been going through one by one. And we come to one which is not in the Nicene, but is in the Apostles today, and that's uh, question 55. It's on page uh, 881. If I read the question, would you respond with the answer, please? What do you understand by the communion of the saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use those gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. And then if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in the bulletin it says 1 through 11, I'm going to read beyond that a little bit, so read with me if you would. Hear what follows for what it is. This is the word of God. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the one body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would uh, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. <coughs> and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. 
and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one, another, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Thus far the reading of God's word. Last week we looked at uh, one holy Catholic uh, church in uh, the Heidelberg Catechism and noted that the church is not a building. And as a matter of fact, the church is not a place to go. The church is rather a people that go. Uh, that go in the power of the Holy Spirit to spread abroad the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What Paul refers to here uh, is that the church, while it is an institution, uh, it is also a living organism, a body, or as we often refer to it, a covenant community. And that's what's being emphasized here, all right? And we need to learn and we need to live the vital relationship as a reality, that is, as an organism, a body, a covenant community. So two points. First of all, the idea of communion of the saints, and secondly, the implications of the communion of the saints. Thottenberg Catechism draws our attention, first of all, uh, that um, uh, 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 we uh, believers, one and all, are members of Christ the Lord. We see that in our text in verses 12 and 13. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. All right? That is, uh, we were all, uh, one and all believers, uh, belong to the body. This is an inclusive concept. And look at uh, verse 14 uh, in our text. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, what I want to pause here to emphasize, all right, is that there are no Lone Ranger Christians, all right? This is a particular problem in New York City. When you talk to people, they will claim to be a Christian, uh, for whatever reason, we won't get into that at the moment, but when you ask where they go to church, they don't go to church, all right? Some people claim they go to the invisible church, to which my response is always, and where is the invisible church located? It happens to be located on East 21st Street in Gramercy Park, right here. It meets at 1030 and 1130, all right? The invisible church is often used as a rationale for avoiding church membership, all right? But Paul will not allow that. Paul will not allow that. The church is a covenant community. The church is an organic reality, all right? It is a body. And all the images for the church in the New Testament are corporate, whether it's a building, whether it's a body, whether it's a temple. There is no one Christian who can say, I am the church, all right? So there are no lone ranger Christians. This highlights for us the importance and the necessity of church membership. Now, I realize Pastor Dan just last week began a new members class, and I don't know how many here are in that class or how many aren't or how many think they don't need to be, but you need to be a member of a church, all right? Uh, my friend Paul Lipema, 
uh, has written this, and I want to read uh, somewhat at length to emphasize this point. It is not unusual today for people to think about their Christian experience in individualistic or isolationist patterns of thought. Perhaps this is due to the rugged individualism of the United States of America, all right? He goes on, he says, they neither minimize or they either minimize or neglect the corporate or communal dimension of Christian living, taking the attitude that the concept of church membership is either absent for scripture or of little consequence to them personally. Church is thought of and treated by most Americans as an individualistic spectator sport without commitments, without oversight, without discipline. The corporate character of salvation is evident in the New Testament. To be a Christian is to be incorporated into the people of God, 1 Peter 2. To enter the kingdom of Christ, Colossians 1. To become a fellow citizen of the household of God, Ephesians 2. To be one among many living stones, making up a spiritual house, 1 Peter 2, Ephesians 2. To function as a member of the body of Christ, as we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What is it in the New Testament that distinguished those who were members of the household of faith from other people? The answer is they were publicly recognized as professing faith in Jesus Christ. They were united in a lifestyle of self-sacrificial love for each other. We'll get to that in the second point. And third, they placed themselves under the shepherding discipline of the elders. This is what we mean today by church membership. And it is absolutely essential, all right? Lest you think that it is unimportant or it is not required by the Bible, uh, if you're one of these people that is, show me a verse, show me a verse, uh, we don't believe in proof text Christianity, all right? The Bible is a book. First Corinthians is a letter. It's not a bunch of texts that are stapled together or glued together to form uh, a letter. It is a book. All right, so we ought not, but for those of you who may have a proof text mentality, turn with me, if you will, to verse 18. Verse 18. This is about the closest you're going to get to an explicit proof text for church membership. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Now, Paul is not talking about the invisible church. He's talking about the church at Corinth. When you went to Corinth, if you asked somebody, where does the church of Jesus Christ meet, they could direct you to East 21st Street, East 21st Street and Park Avenue South and say, that's where the church in Corinth meets, right? And look at what he says. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them. That is, each and every one of them. Or, as our catechism says, believers one and all, all right? And he goes on to say... Uh, as he chose. God did that. This is God's will. Now, we can look at many other texts when put together, demonstrate the importance and the necessity of church membership, but for those of you that are of proof text mentality, that's about as close as you're going to get. All right? Church membership is absolutely necessary. And, if you will, look at verse 22 as we transition uh, to the next point here, verse 22 in our text. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Not only are there no Lone Ranger Christians, there are no expendable Christians. 
Nobody is expendable. Nobody is unnecessary. Nobody has any role. No, nobody, nobody has no role to play in the church. Everybody has a part. All right? We'll look at that in a moment. But nobody's expendable. And I hope nobody here would say, oh, I'm just an insignificant member of Messiah's Reform Fellowship. I'm not important. Nobody pays attention to me. That would be a problem, of course. <clears throat> you should make it known to the elders. But that I'm unimportant, I'm insignificant, it doesn't matter whether I'm here or I'm not. That's not true. That is not true. And if you think it's true, then you need to talk to one of the elders or pastors, all right? Because that's what Paul says. The parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. There is nobody expendable. There is nobody unimportant. All right? And Paul is addressing what in Corinth they would have thought as maybe expendable or unimportant. The weaker members. Paul says, no, 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 no. They're indispensable. They're indispensable. And then he goes on to say, can the hand say to the foot? Can the eye say to the ear? No, everybody. We're a body, right? We all need each other to function well, all right? <clears throat> and notice also, all right, that the premise of what Paul is teaching here, as the Catechism says, believers one and all are members of Christ, all right, but we are also members one of another. And this is very important when we deal with one another, when we talk to one another. More on that in a moment, all right? We have to remember, all right, that if Christ loved that person, right, and Christ loved that person, then that person needs to love that person because Christ loved them, right? It's not, look, I think it's very helpful to think of the church as a family, right? We all have crazy uncles in the family, right? And the church has crazy uncles. I won't mention who they are, all right? But we all need to get along, right? Because we're all members of one body, right? And we need to have regard for one another. We need to have respect for one another, all right? <clears throat> so, <sighs> what are the implications of this? First one is this. It's the theme of the Heidelberg Catechism, all right? What is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins and set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and it goes on. The important thing, the important phrase that I want to underscore there is, I belong, all right? I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, our... Uh, What's that guy called? The government doctor. Uh, the medical doctor uh, for the federal government. What is it, Greg? Who? Surgeon General. Thank you. Surgeon General of the United States. Just came out and said there's an epidemic of loneliness um, in the United States. This is an epidemic in New York City. You have a city of over 8 million people, 25 million in the metropolitan area if we count everybody, and yet the besetting problem of most people living in New York is loneliness, despite having so many people here. Those of you that are singles, it's a problem that you struggle with as well. Loneliness, which is why Sunday fellowship is so valuable and important to you as a foretaste of heaven. You get to be with other Christians who think like you, talk like you, 
walk like you. And why it's so sad when you go home and if you live by yourself, you go home and you sit there and now what? Right? Loneliness. Listen to me. You belong. You belong. And you belong not only to Jesus Christ, but you belong to everybody else that belongs to Jesus Christ. You're a member of the church of Jesus Christ. All right? You belong to something that is much bigger than yourself. You belong to something. You belong to the body of Christ. And that body transcends space and time. You belong to the body of Christ, all right? In question 54 of the Catechism, it says, I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life. You belong to a body from the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Every single Christian in the history of the world, you belong to that body. It transcends time and it transcends space. You belong not just to Messiah's Reformed Fellowship or the Church of Jesus Christ in New York City. You belong to the Church of Jesus Christ that transcends the globe. It's why Harm and Amber can come here from the Netherlands. They were here in November and say, remember me? Of course we remember you. And when they go to Western Canada, they go to Tabor, and they talk to people in Tabor when I went to Tabor. We make the same connection. Hey, I know Paul Murphy. Oh, yeah, I know Paul Murphy. Why? Because we're all part of one body. It's why this week I had communication with missionaries in Turkey and um, in Italy, Andrea Ferrari in Italy. Julie and I are going to Italy in October, Lord willing, and I wrote to him and said, we're going to be in Italy in October. Would it be okay if we stay? He said, not only can you stay with us, I want you to preach for us. Now, I, now, I haven't met this brother before, all right? But when I was in Italy the last time, I stayed in his home. He never met me. He didn't know me. He welcomed me into his home. His wife fed me delicious Italian food, right? And same thing, I contacted this brother from Turkey, Izmir, Turkey, Kogden Kagis. I, I'm probably butchering that name, right? I wrote to him, I said, where is your church located? We're going to be in Istanbul. He said, oh, he said, 45 minutes by plane, <laughs> six hours by car. Well, we'll catch you next time. He said, yes, please come next time. Please come and visit. We'd love to meet you. I never met this guy. I never met, but he's part of the body of Christ. And he says, yes, you are part of the body of Christ. We want you to come. We want you to be here. We want to host you. I've seen this over and over and over again in my Christian life. You go and you have an instant connection with people that you have with no other people. You belong. Very important point. You belong. You belong to Jesus Christ, who has faithfully <clears throat> paid for all your sins and set you free from the tyranny of the devil, but you belong to the body of Christ as well. There's no lone ranger Christian. There's no expendable Christian, all right? Secondly, implication. The Catechism says, and what Paul is talking about, look at verse 1, concerning spiritual gifts, right? The Catechism says uh, that you have communion with Christ and share in all his treasures and gifts. We've talked about this before. Let me just reiterate briefly, all right? 
when you belong to Jesus Christ, nobody can say, look at the text, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, right? So it's the Holy Spirit who gives life. It's the Holy Spirit who opens eyes. It's the Holy Spirit who opens ears. It's the Holy Spirit who breathes new life into a person by which a person is born again, all right? The Holy Spirit does that. But when the Holy Spirit does that, it's the Holy Spirit of the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit does that, he gives spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit to every Christian. So every Christian, by definition, possesses the Holy Spirit or is possessed by the Holy Spirit and possesses gifts which the Spirit gives. And that's what uh, the Catechism is emphasizing. You have communion with Christ and you share in all his treasures and gifts. And that's what Paul is talking about here. You could also look at Ephesians chapter 4. You could look at Romans chapter 12. We're not going to take the time to look there this morning, which list varieties of gifts. And frankly, I believe that not every spiritual gift is listed, all right? But recognize this, that this is a spiritual gift, all right? It's not necessarily a talent, all right? It's not necessarily um, a skill, okay? But it's a spiritual gift, all right? It's given by the Holy Spirit, okay? And I would simply ask you, what are your gifts? What are your gifts? You say, I have no idea. Okay, fair enough, all right? Maybe you should get some help with that. You should talk to one of the pastors. You should talk to one of the officers and say, I'd, I'd really like to know what are my spiritual gifts. I've, I've, I've not heard that before. I really don't know what that's referring to. I read these passages, and uh, I, I, I don't know which one is mine. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you may be exercising that gift without knowing what it is, all right? You may have the gift of prayer. You may have the gift of giving. You may have the gift of hospitality, right? Whatever. But what are your gifts? Because secondly, or thirdly, I should say, one, you belong. Two, you're a partaker of Jesus Christ and all his gifts. What are your gifts? But thirdly, the catechism says, each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. Look at verse 7 in our text. Look at verse 7, all right? To each, there's nobody that doesn't have a spiritual gift, all right? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Notice the phrase here, for the common good. For the common good. This is sometimes overlooked in certain segments of the Christian church. Think Pentecostal charismatic circles where you have a focus on extraordinary gifts, speaking in tongues or miracles, one thing or the other. The purpose of gifts is not you. The purpose of gifts is everybody else. All right? Gifts are given to you. Please take note. Gifts are given to you, not for you. Gifts are given you for everybody else. That's very important. That means that whatever gift God has given you belongs to everybody else in the church. And whatever gifts God has given them belongs to everybody else. All right? Now, I've used this illustration. Maybe it gets tired, but I think it's, it's what I'm familiar with, so I'll use it again. And repetition is the teacher's friend, I keep being told. All right? I think my gift is preaching and teaching. 
I think you might think it's preaching and teaching too. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here, right? All right, okay, very good. So I think my gift is preaching and teaching, right? But now, if I went into my wife's clothing closet where she has a full-length mirror and just stood in front of that mirror and said, hey, blah, 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 and just preached and teached until I was blue in the face, would that benefit anybody? No. It might pump up my ego, right? Needs a little puncturing, right? Be humble, okay? But that doesn't benefit anybody, right? No. My gift belongs to all of you. And your gift, whatever it is, belongs to me and to the Santanas and to Nicole and to the Averys, etc., etc. Now, you might be sitting there and saying, okay, I get it. Do you get it? Do you get it? Are you using your gifts? Are you using your gifts? Because if you're not, you're depriving everybody else of what God has given you for them. Okay? <clears throat> you, are, you are to consider it a duty to use those gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. Fourthly, look at Ephesians chapter 4. We'll just skip over there, another passage dealing with spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, as prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy according to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. All of these one another passages, by the way, if you want proof texts for church membership, how many one another passages? You can't one another somebody if you're not part of a body, right? But we're to be one anothering one another, right? There are a variety of those commands. I'm not going to go through them all, right? Why? Because that's what it means to be part of a body, all right? That's what it means to be part of a body. Look at John chapter 13, and then we'll wrap up. John chapter 13, verse 35. And on this, I want to encourage you. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you love Jesus Christ? Has Jesus Christ fully paid the penalty for all your sins and set you free from the tyranny of the devil? Do you belong to Jesus Christ? If so, if you do, then you belong to the body. You belong to And <clears throat> as you love Jesus Christ, this is why when we have communion, I always say, you can't say you love the head and despise the body. It's just ridiculous to say that. When I run into these people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, I just say, you know, you're sinning, brother. You're sinning, sister. You can't do that. You need to repent. You, you can't say you love Jesus and not love other Christians and not be part of a body of other Christians. You belong. You belong horizontally as well. And my note of encouragement as I mentioned at the anniversary last week, is the love of Christ amongst the members of this church is palpable. And people sense it. People see it. People feel it when they visit here. 
It's something that is the most commented on thing by visitors. And I said that, make sure you welcome Harmon Amber today, right? <laughs> so that they know the love of Christ in this congregation. But if you love Jesus Christ, then you have to love those who are loved by Jesus Christ. That's everybody else, right? We're an organism. We're a body. <clears throat> We're a communion of saints. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who has given us life. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit who has united us to Jesus Christ. We're thankful that we belong to him, and we are thankful for your church, that we belong to the church of Jesus Christ, this particular part of it. We are thankful that you make yourself evident and known in our midst, and pray that you would continue to do so, and that you would continue to receive thanks and honor and praise and glory through us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.